welcome to this episode of the Matter Day podcast. Historically, these episodes have come out on weekends, but with this episode being sponsored by Hard Work, we are making this one happen during the week. Hard Work is sponsoring this episode because we put a lot of hard work into all of these, and that is pretty much all we can say about Hard Work. Hard Work's been pretty persistent throughout my life. I know everybody I know who uses Hard Work typically has a little bit better of a life, and if not, they at least have good reason to complain about it. I would highly recommend looking into Hard Work regarding any kind of situation, whether it's a job, a relationship, or any other academic or personal endeavor. Hard work is available wherever you go to shop, and if you're shopping, it might be hard work in that day. So I definitely recommend using hard work whenever you find yourself able. More specifically, I mentioned on the last episode that if you like the show, please show a little bit of support. This time, however, I've made that a little bit easier, and I hesitate to say this because I don't like asking anything of people I feel like I'm providing to or in conversation with. That's just a general life practice for me, and I feel like I'm using a radio voice in saying this, but I don't like that either. Um, I guess the gist of it is I've set up a Venmo account. So uh, if you go on Venmo and go to Mattagetti, which is M-A-T-T-A-G-H-E-T-T-I, the logo is the same as the Matter Day podcast. If you feel like the show is worth anything, if you feel like this is a 10 second con- or a 10 cent conversation, I would I would happily accept 10 cents. Whatever the show is worth to you. I'm just asking that you shoot back to the show in support. If it's 50 cents, 10 cents, a dollar, whatever, literally don't care. However, uh, the fact is this show does cost a little bit of money every month just for me to keep everything up. So I'm hoping to not be losing money in doing this. I love reading books, playing games, watching movies, and giving my thoughts and opinions on them. I've enjoyed the recommendations I've received from people I've encountered with this. So. All jokes aside, if you have any kind of support or any kind of huzzah you want to send out, feel free to do so. But more importantly, let's go ahead and talk about the stuff we're going to talk about today. First up is the book Flowers for Algernon. It is a book by Daniel Keyes, and Keyes is spelled K-E-Y-E-S. It is a relatively short book. It was originally a short story from my studying uh, and looking into the background of this book. It is, uh, in the form I got, was 217 pages, not a huge book width or uh, height-wise, fairly medium-sized book, and only, like I said, 217 pages. So on the low end of the 200s, very readable. I read it on an f- international flight that took about six hours, is how long it took me to read the book. Um, and I think I finished an hour before the flight ended, so maybe four or five hours. If you are reading slow and on a, a cramped airplane, um, also chatting with your friend periodically, um, as I did. However, more specifically about the book than my travel uh, experiences, the book was, and I can in absolutely no way say this, that is, to the fullest extent, it is an exceptional piece. Um, I had a number of friends who recommended the book, and it, it feels like, it felt like at reading the end that a grenade had gone off in my chest in the level of involvement I was feeling with the characters, in the slow but continual progression of the characters, in just the whole context of the book and how everything develops inside of it and how, how in-depth and thoughtful it is on analysis. Um, the book, and not to spoil anything, the book's premise is about a, as is kind of quoting the back of the book and, and paraphrasing a bit, um, but it's about somebody who receives, a person who receives a sudden thrust of intelligence, of raw brain power shot into their head, basically. Um, this person is 
more or less a lab rat to receive this treatment. They're the first person to receive this influx of intelligence. However, there is a rat who, a literal lab rat, who has also received the same treatment. And this person and the rat are kind of living in tandem. They're watching each other with the rat, you know, undergoing life slightly before the person. Um, the rat's name is Algernon. So one day the, uh, and this is again, not trying to spoil too much, but referencing the back of the book, one day events happen to the rat that show, you know, possible reason for worry for the person. So the person then has to kind of grapple with, this is what happened to the rat, what do I do now? As well as their continuously um, revaluation of what life is like when you're thrust into different social strata, um, different hierarchies, different, just the whole, you know, transplanting of being maybe a not intelligent person to being thrust into a place where intelligence is um, kind of a commodity held up against one, each one another and each other, and where intelligence is something that's in such ready abundance for the person who has it. So the book has a great kind of thought process to it, it has a great setup. It does an outstanding job in delivery as it has extreme nuance to the, the, the setup of the writing. Um, it's written almost like journal entries for the characters. And so you really feel like you're following in the footsteps of someone who's gone through this and does such an incredible job laying out every single day or every single week, few weeks or, or whatever um, kind of spacing they space out the, the different entries with. They do an incredible job explaining everything, an incredible job showing the, the evolution, the intellectual evolution of the character, um, as well as the intellectual Somebody driving their bike super hard and fast outside. You got to get out of here. Having a podcast, time to go. Um, they show a great intellectual climb and a great intellectual dissension. So absolutely incredible. Not a long book. Would highly recommend. Um, there is, or I suppose there are some uh, sexual overtones. Uh, nothing is explicit. Everything is incredibly tactful and thoughtful in the approach in, in grappling with this super intelligence, but it does lead to some sexual and relationship issues, which are to be expected. Uh, if there's any criticism I have to level at the book, it would be that um, there is a there are some conversations in the book where the character, the, the main character who undergoes this intelligence operation and is quickly accelerating in his intelligence. Um, there are conversations where he talks about how he's learned different languages over the course of uh, what is, from my recollection, what is weeks? Um, and he learns the languages in depth and he learns languages. So it's not like, you know, he studied Spanish and then learned a little bit of Italian or something like a sister language. It's like he studied Korean and uh, Latin. So extremely different languages and an incredible in-depth knowledge. So my only criticism would be that people with super intelligence, granted, might be able to learn the languages faster. Um, it's not reasonable to, I don't think it's reasonable to say that he's just peeling them off the page and ingesting them in such a way. Like that's not how intelligence necessarily works is reading something once and being able to, to have it, you know, at your holster to readily fire off at people and read everything that fast, read languages in depth that fast and ready to use them. So that would be my only critique is that just seemed a bit over the top um, in in the arch of the story and saying what intelligence was and wasn't, that one seemed a little bit of a misfire, in my opinion, um, just based off what I know of intelligence and speed reading and uh, comprehension. So that would be my only critique, but 
Otherwise, I would absolutely recommend this book. I have on multiple occasions, I, I actually bought a copy of the book, which I only own uh, at this point, it looks like one, two, three, four, five books, um, possibly more that aren't in the pile of books right next to me. So I own, we'll say less than 10 books, and that is one of them. It's one I've looked at physically and thought, wow, I, I really need to buy a copy of that for friends. Then the counter conversation is you should let them borrow your copy. And then the counter counter conversation is, holy crap, there's absolutely no way I would let anybody borrow that, you know, that copy that means so much to me. So Flowers for Algernon, highly recommend. Um, good for, I would say, anybody who's maybe 12, 13, 14 years or older. I have uh, people I know who have read and reread the book, and I definitely consider it one that I would happily reread. Um, if at all possible, would sit down and read in one bite. That is not how every book we talk about is. Uh, I know the last book we talked about, The Becoming a Supple Leopard, is one I had recommended possibly taking snippets of and practicing and putting into practice and thinking on. Uh, but this book is one I would, if at all possible, read absolutely all the way through. So absolutely great. Fantastic book. Um, highly recommend. Again, small criticism and critique with the language and the approachability that the book reflects. But it, hey, if, if, if it flows in the book and it flows well enough, it gets to slide. So absolutely give the book an A+, plus, 5 out of 5, whatever we need to do. Read the book, okay? Read the book. Um, so that was the book for this week. The game I wanted to talk about, which will take me a second to pull up here because I had it written down and my note keeping prior to jumping in the podcast. Oh, is Mortal Kombat 11. I played through Mortal Kombat 11 finally on Xbox One is my platform of choice. Um, I like how the controller on Xbox works with fighting games and the D-pad is in a, the directional pad if you're not familiar with video game consoles. Um, so a, a video game controller has the sticks, which is where your, the thumb sticks, where your thumbs rest on. However, there's usually a pad pointing in four different directions, up, down, left, right. And the pad is known as the D-pad or the directional pad. However, this directional pad on the PlayStation controller is higher up and the control stick is lower down on where your thumb rests. It's vice versa on the Xbox controller. So on the Xbox controller, your hand normally rests on the thumbstick, but then moves down to touch the directional pad. That works better for me personally for fighting games. Uh, it's my second preferred method after a fighting stick. However, I don't have a fighting stick for the Xbox One, which is where Mortal Kombat 11 was. Um, I had the opportunity to, to get the game on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, or Nintendo Switch. Went with the Xbox One, like I said, versus the PlayStation 4 because I like the controller better. Nintendo Switch was a consideration, but due to the graphical, um, I don't want to say lack, it, graphically, it's not as pronounced as the Xbox One version. It's just not as strong graphically, which is fine for the Nintendo Switch. However, portability on the Switch is really a big selling point. And with fighting games specifically, if you're playing a fighting game like Mortal Kombat, you're going to be probably playing online. And Microsoft and Xbox have done a great job making sure online play is pristine, while Nintendo has been, frankly, lagging behind in the online community since inception, since Nintendo went online. So you have these options of, do you play on the console that's probably gonna be good online or not so much? And in this case, you know, it's a fighting game, so online is gonna be pretty heavy. And then it's the question of which controller do you like better? And Xbox wins out. PlayStation, I have not heard any bad things. Um, so just full, yeah, the last game we talked about was Persona 5, so which is exclusive on PlayStation. So I am not um, super pro any one specific console. However, the controls, and controllers matter to me. So that said, played it on Xbox One, uh, Mortal Kombat 11, played a couple, and a couple means quite a few, rounds with local multiplayer, uh, everything worked great, played it through the entire campaign, 
Um, I will say, as far as Mortal Kombat in the series goes, this campaign introduced some incredibly cool things, especially in the last piece. Um, that's not to say the last third or anything. It's the last act, the last little snippet. has some of the coolest, um, most superhero comic book bending the rules kind of references and, and thought processes, and it's super cool to watch it happen in Mortal Kombat because that universe has always been a little quirky and a little bit weird and a little bit different. So watching them embrace how odd they can make it is incredibly cool. Um, neg negatives to the game are some of the characters who normally or historically have appeared in the game are not in this one. Um, the roster is pretty light. Now I played Super Smash Brothers Ultimate last year right when it came out, bought a Switch and played it, Just bought the Switch just for that game. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is a fighting game for the Nintendo Switch. It's all of Nintendo's characters, and we can talk about that at a later time. But that roster features features somewhere near 70 characters, which is insanity. However, Mortal Kombat 11's roster, if you don't get the uh, pre-order bonus Shao Kahn, which is one of the characters, I feel like the roster clocks out at maybe 12 to 18 characters. It's not light, but myself and my, uh, like I said, my local multiplayer friend, we played through the entire roster in the course of an afternoon with each of us having a couple rounds of each character. So it burns up pretty quick. Um, the pro side of the of the game itself, like I said, as well as the, the cool bending the rules at the end of the campaign and just overall the cool part is this game just reaches so far onto the top shelf for the violence. And if you play Mortal Kombat at all, you know about the ultra violence. And if you enjoy Mortal Kombat at all, there's a good chance a piece of that is because of all of the ultraviolence that is just so baked into the game at this point. It saturates the game with this feeling of over-the-top ultraviolence. And there's a large conversation that could be had around violence in video games, and we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that because there's no data to say we should talk about it, so we are moving around that subject. But more importantly, we're focusing on the game's ability to bring ultraviolence as an art form and as or real presentation you know artists in general they are allowed to present whatever kind of conversation they want do they want to create a hyper realistic version of the world do they want to show you a version of the world if everything was whatever way they want to show it and in mortal Kombat, they do a great job of really painting a just a very bold picture of ultra violence um, with uh, things like fatalities with a lot of the ways characters meet their deaths so they are more than allowed to do that, um, and the guys at NetherRealm do a great job. Part of the reason I want to touch on Mortal Kombat 11 now is because the Mortal Kombat 11 DLC pack was just recently announced. The DLC pack, so DLC in video games is downloadable content. In fighting games, what we typically see is the game comes out on day one, the launch day, and then maybe a few months after we start hearing about combat packs or DLC packs of some kind that will add new fighters or new stages to the game. Uh, fighting games typically, historically, and generally don't rely on the campaign all too much. A lot of fighting games now have some sort of campaign, but the meat and potatoes, the real core of the game, is that multiplayer component, is that online gameplay, is that you know one-to-one -one or 3v3 or however many people fighting it out with these different characters on these different maps. So uh, in Mortal Kombat, no different. The combat pack that was just announced features, I believe, six characters, and the characters are Joker from the DC Universe, Joker from Batman, the Batman comic, Spawn from the comics, uh, the Spawn comics, and the movie Spawn, 
Nightwolf, who is a, a Native American Mortal Kombat character. He's extremely cool, has some extremely cool uh, weaponry that's built into him, and he's shown up in previous games, I believe Mortal Kombat 9, if I was, I believe, I honestly, I've owned every game since Mortal Kombat 9, but 9, 10, 11 kind of have a tendency in my head to blur together just because they're all so good, but all so similar, and, and it's really the game uh, Mortal Kombat getting its feet back under it. But I believe Nightwolf was in Mortal Kombat 9, um, I'm forgetting, I think it's Sidendell, the woman who's in Mortal, is in uh, Mortal Kombat. She has supersonic, um, s like, screeching that she can do with, uh, with sounds and sound waves. It's usually like a purple sonic kind of sound wave. Um, Terminator has been announced to be in the game, and Terminator is incredibly well-crafted after Mr. Schwarzenegger. It, they do a great job. He's got a beard in this version, which he doesn't normally have a beard, so that's cool. And then Shao Tsung, which is, you know, uh, or Shang Tsung, excuse me, not Shao Tsung. I'm mixing Shao Kahn. Shang Tsung is a Mortal Kombat character. He's a, a sorcerer from Mortal Kombat, so it's great to see him making his appearance. He, I believe, runs the crypt in Mortal Kombat 11, so it's nice to see him show back up um, as a playable character. Yeah, Sindel is the woman who screams a lot. Um, all of these characters are coming out over the next few months. Spawn is set to come out March 17th, which is great, but holy crap, it's a long wait, considering you it's about one a month, starting in uh, Shang Tsung and Nightwolf. I, I pulled it up and I'm referencing it now. Um, Shang Tsung and Nightwolf are showing is available now, with Terminator to come in October. November have Sindel. January's Joker and March features, it brings Spawn into the game. So Spawn is last. Um, they get all the Mortal Kombat goodness in earlier. So Mortal Kombat 11, like I said, criticisms would be uh, things like if you're not big into ultraviolence, then you probably haven't been playing Mortal Kombat. No worries on that. You just dodge this one as well. Um, other criticisms would include some of the character buttons. And I know this might seem more nuanced than it actually is. If you play the game, let's say you're playing as Scorpion, every character has a moveset. And Scorpions includes throwing a spear and being able to pull his enemies towards him. So that's great. However, in previous Mortal Kombat games, these movesets were all placed in one spot. You could pause the game, look at your moveset, and kind of figure out what you wanted to try out and work from there. In Mortal Kombat 11, they've broken that up a little bit and put them on different screens, which is fine and something you can get used to. However, if you're not used to that, um, if you're playing in single player, I know myself and my single player nemesis, but my friend in real life, we both have Mortal Kombat experience. So us coming together to play the game and neither of us knowing where to find the controls for these new characters was a little frustrating, especially because they left after a while and went about their day. I kept playing the game and started in the single player campaign and it was only then that I realized where our moves were hidden. So had the moves been more upfront and where they typically were, that would have been great. I understand wanting to reallocate, you know, different menus and get everything sorted out in the new way, but for returning fans of the franchise, it's a little bit different when everything's out of sorts or where the moves you need are out of sorts for the characters. Because it's always, in fighting games, it's always a little bit different what moves make the transition into the new game. Um, so that would be one small criticism. Uh, big That would be most applicable if you're a returning fan of the franchise. And the only other criticism, as always, is including one character or one map or one piece of anything from the game as pre-order garbage don't it's so frustrating to buy a game or to get a game that's new and to have some character or map grayed out because you didn't want to pay in advance for the game there are two problems i have with this one games need to be uh, re evaluated and 
you know, reviewed on merits and then purchased on said merits. So getting, I understand some companies do an early review of the game, but giving real time for real, you know, market saturation, real user saturation, so you can get different opinions. That's one thing. So if this game started reviewing poorly on a couple big websites, who's to say that my small obscure YouTuber, or, you know, literally myself, who's giving these opinions on the game, is able to get a copy early like these big sites. I'm not saying necessarily the little guys need support. I'm just saying maybe don't lock some of the content in, you know, and maybe allow the little guys to have some time to get their hands on it so they can help everyone. So don't lock the content. That would be number one. Number two, aside from that being frustrating, it's it's so frustrating when you feel like you're missing out on something. So the, I don't know, I, I, I get where the DLC is coming from. I've read just so much on video games and it makes a lot of sense that there's a, there is a period of time when the game is complete and they have time to add extra characters and things like that. But announcing one character is a pre-order bonus. Don't pre-order games. We can't promise they're going to be good. So don't go about pre-ordering. Pre-ordering is never good on video games. Don't do that. So putting somebody behind a, play, a paywall or an early access wall of some kind is so frustrating. It's so detrimental to the industry. Don't do that. The, con the content comes out on you know April 15th. If it comes out on April 15th, all of it should be ready on April 15th. I understand DLC is a different case, but pre-order garbage is garbage. Don't do that. Um, NetherRealm Studios and Warner Brothers are two of my personal favorite distribution companies or uh, publishers and developers. They do a great job of keeping the games pretty focused. So this is all criticism leveled at a company or companies I enjoy. It's just frustrating to watch them stumble over things that are problems in the industry. Just, you know, streamline your process. If you want somebody in the game, get them in the game, but don't try and make me pay in advance. I believe Shao Kahn is available now where you can pay extra to get him now if he's not previous mortal combats have done a very similar thing which i believe the same character with shao Kahn being early you know if you pre-order the game you can get him uh day one or whatever but i believe those characters those pre-order characters all became available after the release of the game so again at this point it just feels dumb um that would be my two twoest or threeest three biggest criticisms uh, things like the controls being hit placed differently, things like the DLC be feeling awkward and kind of forced, or the, the pre-order, not the DLC, excuse me, the pre-order feeling forced. Um, and then the only other criticism I have for the game is it's a little bit of a skill jump between medium and hard difficulty. Uh, I played through earlier levels in the campaign on hard, and there are some parts that are incredibly insufferable on hard. So if you are up for the challenge, by all means, grab your backpack and head into hard mode. However, Definitely felt like there could have been some sort of medium ground there. Um, but that's just a personal note. Maybe it's built for people who are far better at fighting games. I just felt like I was able to get started in hard mode, and then there was a part where it just got way harder. Again, don't know if this is only me, but that's how it felt. So those are my thoughts on Mortal Kombat 11. I would say overall, if you enjoy Mortal Kombat, absolutely buy the game. Um, if you are kind of lukewarm on Mortal Kombat but enjoy fighting games, maybe rent it, see if it fits your play style. The game's a bit heavier than previous Mortal Kombat's. Punches have a bit more weight to them. So I'd give it a go, maybe rent it if you own a console or, or try to find it on a sale if you uh, play it on PCs or somewhere where it's, you know, barrier to entry is a little bit lower um, as it is a very specific kind of fighting game. It's very, like I said, it's very heavy. If you don't like fighting games, don't play it. Um, and if you don't like violence, heavily recommend against it. It is very violent in every moment of gameplay. If you do not like loot and collectibles, and if you find that stuff to be overwhelming, like uh, a lot of in-game unlocks, this game might be frustrating for you. The game is saturated with character customization and unlockables, 
which is awesome if you're into that. I happen to be into that kind of thing. However, if you find that to be somewhat tedious, the game might not have much value for you past a couple, you know, multiplayer matches, whether it's locally or online. I believe you can play most of the multiplayer, ooh, excuse me, without turning on the, uh, the differences in uh, what, the, what the different items and weapons do. So you can make them just aesthetic changes. But if you're not into that kind of thing, you don't want to collect loot, by all means, play a different game. This one might not be for you. Um, but that is my thoughts on Mortal Kombat. Would definitely give it a go if you like fighting games at all. And that is my thoughts on Flowers for Algernon. No matter what you like, if you can read words, you should be reading that. You should have read that book. It's so good. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11 is pretty good. I'd give it, mm, if we had to go on a 10-point system, I'd say probably, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it vague, you know. More than a 5, less than a 10, somewhere in there. You, you can stick your needle on wherever you think I'm shooting for. That's all for me. Um, if you like this podcast, feel free to check us out on Facebook. Matter Day Podcast is a Facebook page. If you go on facebook.com slash M-A-T-T-U-R-D-A-Y is Matter Day. It's a Facebook page where you can keep up with the episodes. Also, like I said at the start of the show, there is no sponsor for this. So if you feel like this was worth anything at all, maybe you dodged a bullet on not buying Mortal Kombat or you've already read Flowers, you can you know, say, wow, that was so good. You're right. I felt the same way about the book. Here's 10 cents. Um, you can Venmo me, make it fast and easy, at M-A-T-T-A-G-A-G-T-T-I at Mattagetti, which is my Venmo and my Twitter account. So if you want to keep up on Twitter, that's where you can do that. But that is the end for this show. Hopefully you like the show and subscribe if you are, uh, you know, watching on YouTube. I'm just kidding. These don't come to YouTube. I just want to say that. But the show will be on Facebook, and I look forward to talking to you guys next time. If you have any games, movies, or books you want me to check out, let me know. But otherwise, have a good rest of your week. Toodles!